0: Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. It's 1.06 the time here in the KSL newsroom. If you remember much of last week, mostly Thursday and Friday, I, I was, uh, was kind of bummed out and I apologized. I begged your forgiveness on uh, Thursday. I was distracted uh, because my mind was in Washington, D.C. My mind was... Was in the hallways of a building where I had the great privilege of working for many years. My mind was with the various members of Congress who uh, I, I consider, uh, you know, to be friends of mine on both sides of the aisle. And in particular, my mind was with the friends and colleagues that I had developed during my time in Washington D.C. Who were, in some cases, quite literally huddled behind doorways, barricading themselves. Uh, and protecting themselves from the danger which was roaming the halls. And uh, someone I thought about uh, almost immediately uh, was my former boss and former Congressman Rob Bishop. There is probably no one uh, who has served in recent memory who has uh, such a a great, profound, and historic uh, understanding and knowledge of the significance of that building. If you uh, were ever lucky enough to go on one of the uh, one of the late-night Rob Bishop tours of the Capitol, uh, you learned things that you likely would be unable to learn uh, anywhere else, even if you were to spend time with the professional tour givers. Uh, and so it is with that knowledge and that uh, profound affection that I came to the hope, hope that he was doing all right, and I wondered how the events of last week struck him. Well, uh, he joins us now. Uh, Congressman Bishop, sir, welcome to the program. How are you?
1: It's good to talk to you again, Lee. How are you
0: doing? I'm all right. Um, You know, all things considered. Talk to me about last Wednesday. What was your experience as you saw the images from Washington heading into your home via television?
1: Well, everything sad is too easy, too mellow a word to describe it. Um, It was a horrific sight, and we should never try to underestimate the, uh, the impact and significance of what took place on January 6th. But as I was also thinking about it, I was reminded about the, the fact that the Capitol building almost seems to be a magnet for violence, of people wishing to protest something or some, some something. Uh, I just finished a book about the violence of Congress that led up to the Civil War, which was amazing. But even since that time... Um, the Capitol has been under attack at different times. Um, three times since the 1900s, the Capitol has been bombed by different groups. Uh, in 1915, a person put a, a homemade bomb in a, in, a, in a sachet and left it at the reception center in the Senate side that blew up at about 1130 that night to protest World War I. In, the, in 1971, there was a bomb put on the first floor in one of the restrooms that exploded and did significant damage. There was also, in 1983, a bomb that was left outside the Senate chamber under a bench that uh, could have created many casualties. Fortunately, the Senate had adjourned early, and a reception that was scheduled to start afterwards also adjourned early. So no one that was there when this bomb exploded significant damage, hit a hole into the main wall, into the Republican cloakroom, knocked doors off their hinges. Um, when we do the tour, we talk about in the 1950s when Puerto Rican nationalists snuck guns through their camera cases into the balcony and then shot indiscriminately on the House floor. Fortunately, no one was killed, but seven members, seven people were, were wounded Five or seven congressmen, depending on which story you want to read. And when we go on the tours, we show where some of the bullet holes still remain on the House floor from that event. Um, In 1998, a psycho, a schizophrenic, who was a schizophrenic, who thought the government was uh, uh, spying on him, broke into the Capitol, shot two policemen uh, in cold blood, one execution-style point-blank in the back of his head. Uh, and wounded two other officers before he himself was finally wounded and subdued. We um, remember about four or five years ago when Steve Scalise was critically wounded in an attempt to assassinate Republicans who were practicing baseball uh, for the uh, for the house game. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and also, uh, you have to remember the courageous passengers that brought down that one airliner and 9 eleven, in the field in Pennsylvania, but for every practical purposes, we assume it was intended to go into the west facade of the Capitol building as well. So there have always been attacks on the Capitol, and each one was horrific. This one on January 6th was probably bigger in scope, but not necessarily a motivation or approach or attempt of what they were doing. And, Lee, I think one of the things is the takeaway. I'm rambling on here too fast, but I apologize. No, you're giving us history, and it's fascinating, and I'm
0: grateful to you for it. Thank you.
1: I I think for me, the takeaway of all of this is that in each of these horrific incidences, and they were, America survived, we persevered, we exceeded and, and excelled. And I think after this experience of January 6th also, America's institutions survived, this country will survive and it will succeed and excel because there's a lot more good in this country than there is bad
0: thank you for all of that as i you know try to work out my own feelings and my own response to this and i uh, consider you know american resiliency and uh, and our nation's ability to to bounce back and to you know return to order th- this still has me pretty shook i'm about 90% confident that we possess the, the resiliency to, to come back from this. I understand, as you're describing here, that there uh, you know, have been instances of violence and attack uh, on this sacred structure and the institution you know, for you know, as far back as we can remember. Uh, but this one, as you mentioned, is far different in, in scope and scale. Uh, I said I'm 90 percent. What do you say to get me the, re- the, the, the other 10 percent to confidence?
1: i uh, have to hit you on the side of the head and say America will survive because America's people are really good. And and yeah, this what happened on the 6th was horrific. But I remember the few – well, I remember during the Scalise attack how I felt at that same time, how wondering if we would ever recover from that. And I know having read the histories about what happened when the bombs were placed outside the Senate chamber – doing significant damage. And the only reason there were no casualties was because of the quirk of circumstances. Um, in each case, the country survived those things which did shake them to the core. And also in each case of a violent attack, they, the nation made changes in the way it tried to protect itself from eliminating that kind of behavior in the future. and And I really think deep down that this is such a strong and resilient country. Um, you know, you have to believe that the American people have the will and the desire to actually succeed and to overcome these situations as, as tragic as they were. And, and to not let the actions of a few, even though on the 6th, there was a whole lot of them that were there. They were still such a small portion of this country even a small portion of of the total number that were there, we, we can't let them cloud our actions and ideas and overreact and thinking that there is no way that we can survive. This country will survive. That's
0: good. That's good. Uh, let me let me change the subject pretty dramatically here. I just got in my email from a, a former colleague of yours, Congressman Chris Stewart, has. Uh, let it be known that he today has introduced a bill to rename the Utah Test and Training Range to the Bishop Test and Training Range in, in your in your honor. Uh, how does that strike you?
1: <laughs> and you thought things could not be worse back in Washington, didn't Stop you? Stop it. Um, that is, it is, it is kind of he. Of, I'm sorry, of him, um, and uh, you know, Senator Romney said the same thing about a month ago it is very nice i am honored i don't think i am deserving of it there are a whole lot of other things that that could be done
0: welcome back to live mike i'm lee Lonsberry. thanks again for tuning in today can i ask a a shameless a shameless request yeah, we're, we're taking our first steps into 2021, and we, in the grand scheme of things, in terms of a, a talk radio program, this one, Live Mike, is still relatively new, just over a year old. We're still growing. And if you like what you hear, if you, are, if you come here and you, you learn something, if your mind gets stimulated at all, if we offer something worthwhile, would you share that fact with some friends of yours? or maybe some members of your family, or when you are going back and forth with the issues we cover here on this program, if you find yourself around the kitchen table chatting with the family, uh, mention this program. We'd love to uh, open this as wide as we can to have a conversation as broad as we can. So please spread the word. All right. Uh, now, I want to talk to you about something that took place uh, last week. And due to uh, what transpired at the United States Capitol, plus all the fallout uh, since then, I haven't had really an opportunity to, uh, to discuss this. It, it happened last Tuesday evening as Utah Senator Mitt Romney was flying uh, to Washington, D.C. You remember this? Yeah, he was uh, uh, he was approached by a woman with a camera who went back and forth with him for some time. Here, I'll play some of uh, some of that exchange.
1: Why aren't you supporting President Trump? I do support uh, the things President Trump does that I think I agree with.
2: You're not supporting him. I'm
1: sorry, I do agree with many of the things he uh, uh, is for, and I support
0: those things.
2: Are you going to support him in the uh, the I fraudulent votes? This
1: election, no, I'm
0: not. Why not? Uh, because, uh, I'm sorry. Can you say that again? Uh,
1: it's a long uh, story, but the, we have a constitution. The constitutional process is clear. I'll follow the constitution, and I'll
0: explain all that when we meet in Congress. Well, you haven't supported him, and you didn't even support him in the election. No, I did not. That was a, a portion of a, you know, a relatively lengthy exchange between the senator and a woman who approached him with a, a cell phone camera. If you remember the. The exchange started with a request on the part of Senator Romney that the woman filming uh, place her mask up and over her mouth. There was uh, some quick back and forth there. Senator Romney asserted that the the law was such that the mask was required and she wanted to continue the exchange uh, did ultimately relent and lifted her mask. And it was after those few minutes of footage were posted online that you and I became aware of that experience. And then the next day happened, and the whole world got turned upside down from Washington, D.C. And, oh, you know what? I didn't even—there were two videos that day. There was, of course, the second video uh, that was allegedly on a flight where Senator Romney was traveling, and many of those on the aircraft had this to say in the direction of Senator Romney. Should a member of Congress, or anyone for that matter, need to uh, deal with this type of, uh, I don't know, uh, protest or chance or whatever, you, however you describe it, should they have to deal with that? Well, if you'd asked me, if you'd asked me the same question a week ago, I would have said, hey, you know what, this type of stuff happens. I have been a congressional aide. I have been standing right alongside members of Congress who have found themselves in very similar situations. Where someone from the, the, the public will approach either a constituent or otherwise with some very strong feelings and some very strong words to share. And uh, oftentimes with the objective of capturing some sort of viral footage. And so, uh, you know, that antagonistic goading is dialed up even more so, as was the case here in the Romney video. And I'm not sure, I'm not sure if that event in isolation would have led to, uh, you know, any wholesale changes in the way members of Congress travel. I, if I'm guessing, maybe some of the uh, more wealthy members might arrange for, uh, you know, alternate Modes of transportation, maybe a, a chartered or a private plane to get them from here to there. I have often appreciated, though, uh, the the decisions made by members of Congress, including Senator Romney, who is a man of great means personally, and others who, instead of you know chartering a flight for themselves, where they may be able to. Uh, travel more nimbly Uh, they may be able to tailor that travel to you know their liking more so maybe even be more effective in terms of uh, you know getting some work done on their own plane certainly uh, being able to sleep and rest in peace but no they choose instead when other options are available to them they choose instead to fly on commercial aircraft i i wonder if that will continue I wonder if those members of Congress with enhanced means, uh, with greater means, some of them, some of them, multi-multi-millionaires, you got that much in the bank, you can charter your own flight. Most members of Congress are not in that situation, though. And most members of Congress now will need to continue flying through uh, airports that have, you know, just as much access as the, the rest of us and will be faced potentially with circumstances like the one faced by Senator Romney. As was the case with Lindsey Graham on Friday as he moved through Reagan National Airport in Washington, D.C., he was surrounded. He had to be surrounded by law enforcement officers. The images and footage that I have seen, uh, I counted about a dozen Law enforcement officers having to create a, a human shield, if you will, surrounding the senator as he made his way through one of the corridors of Reagan National Airport with individuals shouting his name, saying terrible things. I would play audio here for you, but uh, I did, I, pfft, too many bleeps, you know, <laughs> it was easier for me to explain it to you than it was to, uh, to filter out all the nasty language very threatening and aggressive language being directed towards the senator. And that's just a snapshot. How will things go in the future? Well, uh, there has been from the United States Capitol Police uh, some communications distributed to members of Congress saying, hey, listen, you need to be sending your flight information here so that we can coordinate some efforts. Uh, If you do that, we can be better aware of your movements and maybe have some law enforcement there meeting you at the gate. Well, that's up to those members of Congress. At the very least, the U.S. Capitol Police urged members and their staff to remain vigilant of their surroundings and immediately report anything unusual or suspicious. It's too bad. It's too bad that we can't universally display a measure of civility where lawmakers or anyone can travel without the fear of being uh, accosted, as have been a number of lawmakers and their staff. I give the examples here of of just two, uh, Senator Romney and Lindsey Graham, uh, plenty of others, plenty of others. I hope it doesn't continue, Uh, but the things being the way they are, uh, I'm not overly optimistic. And I wonder if the fear of interacting with the public may be an even greater disservice to our nation. Why? Because it may just move lawmakers to distance themselves even further. Remember the town hall era after former Congressman Jason Chaffetz? was shouted down in a town hall meeting right here in Utah. Well, that became a pretty cool thing to do across the country, especially for those looking to emerge as viral video stars. And you know what the consequence was? Fewer town halls. Fewer interactions with the public. Well, similar things shaping up. Unless we do what's right. And be respectful. And be civil with all around us, including our elected leaders. Despite whether or not you agree with them. Anyway... Quick break. When we return, we are going to take a look at the upcoming legislature, the upcoming general session of the Utah State Legislature. Specifically this week at this time, we'll be chatting with newly elected leaders. First on the list, retired Major General Jefferson Burton, now State Representative Burton. My guest next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Hey, welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. One fifty is the time here in the KSL newsroom. National Guard troops armed patrolling the United States Capitol. It doesn't sound like too jarring a thing, right? Unless you yourself have served as a member of the National Guard or active duty military in any of its branches. The The reason why it is a pretty big deal to know that the Pentagon is and Department of Defense leaders, including the Army Secretary Ryan McCarthy, are considering the deployment of National Guard troops onto the campus of the United States Capitol armed with rifles and sidearms is because there is a pretty deep-seated understanding which prohibits the use of the military for domestic law enforcement. Pretty pretty fundamental and standard that the United States military won't be turned on its own citizenry specifically for uh, domestic law enforcement. Allowing troops to carry weapons Specifically, an M4 and a nine millimeter Beretta. That's what Ryan McCarthy said. Ryan McCarthy, the Army Secretary, uh, he had uh, additional words to share. Let me uh, play them for you. Here is Army Secretary McCarthy discussing the security to be in place for next month at the Capitol.
2: Entire DC National Guard has been mobilized. We have also received the support from the State of Virginia, Maryland, Pennsylvania, New Jersey. Delaware and New York. There will be 6,200 guardsmen in total by the weekend here at the U.S. Uh, and, the, and the U.S. Uh, National Capital Region in support of the DC, uh, D.C. Metropolitan Police Department as well as the Capitol uh, Hill Police. At present, we have uh, over 150 personnel uh, up on the, um, the Capitol grounds, and we will have 850 on the Capitol grounds by noon today. At 9 a.m. this morning, we began erecting a seven foot non-scalable fence, which will be from Constitution Independence and First Avenue uh, to the uh, in front of the pond right there in front of the Capitol, that that road right there. So um, these personnel and this security measures will be in place for no less than the next 30 days.
0: Those words came from Army Secretary Ryan McCarthy uh, late last week. And so the references to the uh, erection of a fence, a non-scalable fence surrounding the uh, capital complex, that may be complete by now. Uh, As I think on my experience there, two things. To have fencing of that magnitude with the additional presence of uh, Army National Guard troops armed is a, a pretty unsettling scene in my mind. I have very infrequently in the past come... Uh, into contact with, with you know, military-style security settings like that. In fact, uh, probably the last time I can remember on U.S. soil seeing something like that was in 2012. Uh, I had traveled down to Tampa, Florida for the Republican National Convention, and there, were, there was a pretty good uh, uh, number of threats. There were a number of threats that had been identified by law enforcement and the organizers of the convention and and other organizations, you know, charged with keeping the place safe. And so in response to that, they pretty much shut the city down. They pretty much shut the city down. They did so with big, aggressive barriers. Uh, You had to have a map just to navigate your way through the various checkpoints to get into the facility itself. And at each of those checkpoints and in between, A decision had been made to issue uniforms to everyone, regardless of your law enforcement jurisdiction, regardless of whatever force you worked for. Everyone was wearing the same thing. It was khaki. On top of that, you would see the the black vests with police. It was a jarring scene. And I'm not here to weigh in uh, as to whether or not 2012 in Tampa was correct or uh, the measures being taken in Washington, D.C. are correct. But I do bring it up to point out that we ought to be aware of it. We ought to be aware of different security measures when they go into place, in particular when fundamental shifts in the uh, understanding and the attitude and the relationship between uh, the military and citizenry comes into question. This is a big deal. It is a very big deal for there to be troops carrying these types of weapons and enforcing domestic law. What do you think about that? 57500 is the Utah Community Credit Union text line. I'll share some of the texts in a moment, but before I get to them, I want to share with you some. Some words that have just moments ago been released by Utah Congressman John Curtis. Earlier in the program, uh, we spent a good deal of time walking through what's transpiring in Washington, D.C. This morning, it was uh, attempted by Steny Hoyer to uh, call for a vote on a resolution which would urge Mike Pence to exercise the 25th Amendment. On the heels of that, uh, it has been promised by Speaker Pelosi that should the vice president fail to act according to uh, their demands contained within that resolution, that impeachment proceedings would commence. Now, the highest likelihood is that we will get to that point, and that Wednesday there will be uh, either a vote on or simply debate on, or both, Uh, of at least a single article of impeachment. Congressman John Curtis has just moments ago released the following statement where he criticizes uh, the impeachment timeline. His words uh, read, quote, I remain firm in my condemnation of the violence in our nation's capital last week and believe there should be consequences for those that played a role, including the president. I would support an impeachment process with hearings, witnesses and testimony, and I would support an appropriately worded censure. But unfortunately, a 48-hour impeachment process has no chance of reaching a thoughtful conclusion, holds no consideration for the millions people have millions of people who have voted for him and will do nothing to unite the country or answer the many questions needing resolution. Again, those the words of Congressman John Curtis in response to the timeline which has been laid out by specifically Speaker Pelosi relating to the impeachment of the president, the second impeachment of the president of the United States. What do you think? What do you think? In almost every other legislative act— Every time Congress moves on a piece of legislation, there are, for the very most part, with very few exceptions, included in the process, hearings, witnesses, testimony. That happened the first time the president was impeached. That happens with uh, most legislation uh, of any consequence that makes its way through the United States Congress. He's criticizing the timeline. Is it too fast? Should we slow down? Or has what has transpired in Washington, D.C., have the actions of the president uh, been so clear that this is the only course of action? What do you think? Moving too fast? 57500, that's the Utah Community Credit Union text line. We're going to take a quick break. And when we return, another brand new segment here on Live Mike. It's called The Top Two at Two, and I'll share it with you next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio.